Attention all mortals, veterans and civilians alike. It's time to buckle up and get ready for a wild ride because you just tuned in to the Swandingo Files. Your host, Steven Swanson, is here to help you navigate the crazy world of transitioning from military life to civilian life. And let me tell you, it's a bumpy road, but with a little bit of humor and a lot of determination, we can make it through together. Okay, well, you drive. Welcome back to another episode of the Swangingo Files. Today, I have Jim Cathcart. He's a fellow veteran, but also he's got 25 books out, and he does a lot of coaching, mentoring to help to help people get reach that 1% of top of any field, and he swears by it. So we're going to ask him about that. So how's it going today, Jim? Excellent. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity to be here, Stephen. Uh, since you're down in Austin, what's your weather like down there? Are you about to blow away or? No, for a change, it's it's delightful outside, and all the leaves have come out again, and so everything's everything's lovely for now. You know, it's Texas weather, so wait an hour. I, I feel like I'm about to blow away down here, so or up here. Excuse me, I'm north of you, yeah. so I feel like I'm going I'm about to blow away, but. So today I just want to talk about just briefly about your military service and then how you got into the coaching, the mentoring, how sure. you how you came about writing 25 books. Uh, okay. And then, and how you even got on uh, TEDx. Like that's something that. Well, I, I'll give you a whirlwind tour. Okay. Okay. I grew up in Little Rock, Arkansas. My dad was a major in World War II in the Army. He served in Vietnam, in uh, uh, Guadalcanal and the Philippines. Philippines and uh, all the way up, you know, spent a lot of time in the Philippines. They had 176 consecutive days of combat. Think of that. Unbelievable in the I Philippines. And then when we, when we occupied Japan, he was like 22 years old, and he was a young captain, I think, at the time. And um, they made him acting mayor of a city in occupied Japan. Can you imagine? Wow. Wow. So I'm growing up with dad, who's a telephone repairman for the phone company, and, and uh, uh, he's my, my hero, and I want to be like him. And, and he was a, a little bit of a John Wayne kind of a character, you know, strong, silent type, and um, just a cool guy. And so I joined as soon as I could. I was in college during the Vietnam era. And I had a student deferment, but I went and joined the National Guard anyway. And I didn't join the unit Dad was in, because Dad, in his later years, joined the Guard and stayed there until he retired from it. Um, but I, I joined a different unit because I didn't want to be the major's son. And um, so I joined the Evac Hospital, 148th Evac Hospital, Little Rock, Arkansas. And um, became a combat medic and hospital corpsman by training. And after a couple of years of that, I signed up for OCS, and I went to Officers Candidate School. And at the end of it, I was appointed. I was moved to the Army Reserve and appointed uh, platoon leader, I guess, for uh, a training company. There was a committee group out of Arkadelphia, Arkansas, 39th Division, 95th uh 
it was uh, what they call the committee group is the name of it. And so I served for a few years in that capacity and had a pretty negative experience serving under some really incompetent people and decided, you know, I'd love to stay in and get my 20 or maybe even become a lieutenant colonel and get one more up above dad. But I think I'm going to get out of here. So I got out. And I, I had had all kinds of different jobs and never found one I loved until one day I found a job in training and development, leading courses other people had developed. So I was an instructor, you know, basically a teacher, like in basic training. You're not the guy that invented the, the infiltration course, but you're the one telling the people how to run it and supervising the doing of it. So I became that in a business sense, teaching courses on goal setting and interpersonal communication and personal development issues. Joined the JCs, Junior Chamber of Commerce, which used to be huge, kind of disappeared for the most part today compared to what it used to be. But they used to have 356,000 members. I joined as a, a brand new member in a neighborhood chapter uh, in Little Rock. And became fanatically active. 400 JCs meetings after work and on weekends in two years for free. For free. What, what, what's the purpose of those groups? The purpose of the groups, leadership training for young adults. Okay. And so unlike Rotary or Lion or Kiwanis or Optimist, they do programs in the community like them, but they don't do it for the same reason. They do it to teach the young members leadership skills so that when they move into business or into Lions and Rotary, and all, they'll know what they're doing. So that's why I joined was to learn. And I became fanatically involved. And within three months, I was in charge of three brand new chapters. And I would read the manual in the afternoon and teach the course in the evening, literally, same day. And I did 400 of those in two years. And by the hundredth or so, I knew what I was doing. And by the second hundred, I was getting pretty good at it. And by the third hundred, I was the most popular guy in the state who was doing that out of 280 chapters in Arkansas at the time. And I got a call from the USJC's national headquarters in Tulsa. And they said, we'd like to hire you to be the national training director in charge of leadership training for 356,000 members. And I was there the next day. <laughs> quit my job. I had a government job working for the housing authority. Quit my job and moved to Tulsa. That was your opportunity and, right there. To that's right. So for two years, better. I was writing training manuals and flying all over the country doing big presentations to teach other people these leadership skills. And then I realized I could go out on my own and do it. And so in 1977, I went full-time as a speaker and trainer, never looked back. Since that time, I've grown from a few seminars to a lot of them to 3,400 high-fee seminars all over the world, literally all over the world. And I've uh, been inducted in the Speaker Hall of Fame, the Sales and Marketing Hall of Fame, uh, Received Lifetime Achievement Awards. I did a TED Talk, and it went viral without any promotion from me. It got 2.6 million views. Um, I've received every major award that's given to professional speakers in the world. 
to my knowledge, and um, was president of the National Speakers Association. I mean, that's that's quite a a resume. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, better than ninety nine percent. So I guess that would make you the top one percent. And actually, I've documented it. I have reached in my field of training and development, professional speakers and authors, and you know, self development gurus. I've reached the top one percent of the top one percent on more than one occasion over the past 46 years. And I can teach other people how to reach the top one percent, because when you consider for a moment, in the JCs, I joined as a new kid wet behind the ears that knew nothing, had never had a leadership role in business or in otherwise. And I, I learned their courses fanatically. You know, really, I was the best student in the entire state to try and learn these things as well as I could and then practice them. And within, well, let's say I joined in 72, and in 1975 in August, I was the guy in charge of leadership training for 356,000 others. That's top 1% for sure. That is definitely top 1%. But, like, yeah. What? Okay, so somebody coming out of the military, they want to get to your kind of world. They want to kind of start dabbling in it. I mean, you're not going to make the top overnight, but where, where the where the heck do you even start at? Like, just, I never heard you, of these. Well, first you pick a field that you're interested in. Like, I started my early training doing other people's courses was training insurance people, insurance agents, life insurance. And so I would take their course, and as an expert instructor – from my training in the JCs, I could take any course and teach it without having developed all the skills that go with it yet because I knew how to teach. And then I knew how to do after a while. And then I knew how to rethink what I'd been teaching and make it better. And then I knew how to create brand new. So these are all progressions you go through. So I would say pick a field, you know, look at something you're interested in or enjoy like real estate or construction or uh, landscaping or artistic design or artist, you know, music performance or whatever it is you're interested in and really get involved in that field and take all the training and look for chances to train others. And that way you develop your skills as a trainer based on a, a, a foundation of skill that's already got commercial value. Because you want to be able to convert your ability into income as early as possible. And then as you do that, you become better and better at training. And you say, you know what? I've been teaching these construction people. Absolutely applies to these automobile dealerships. And so you start broadening your market. And so where I was at first only training insurance agents and some bankers, Pretty soon I was working for uh, transportation companies, for airlines, for uh, government agencies. You know, if you look at my 3,000 clients over the years, you wouldn't believe how diverse. I mean, I spoke one time at the Copley Plaza Hotel in Boston to the National Association of, wait for it, Wiping Cloth Manufacturers. Who knew there was such a thing? Um, only them, literally. Yeah. They would know about that existing. 
wiping cloth manufacturers. And I've, I, I had a 10-year contract for the Automatic Transmission Rebuilders Association. Ten years of training and consulting and, and doing speaking for them. Wow. So so how did you end up getting up in on – okay, so you're, you're, learn, you're teaching all these groups like – okay, let's back it up a little bit. <laughs> training all these people, you're – you know, is everybody have the innate ability to become 1% or is there some that you just cannot – no, it, every person has the ability to reach the top 1% of some field. And it's important you choose a field wisely because if you choose one that you're not going to be happy in, it'll always feel like hard work and you'll probably shorten your own life in the, in the process. But if you choose a field you're in love with, fascinated by and know nothing about, the deeper you go into that, the more you're going to enjoy it and you'll stay up nights smiling and thinking about it. And you'll get up early and show up before the other people and stay later because you love it. And the others might see it as work, whereas you think it's just pure joy. So, okay, so, oh, I want pure joy. I want to do all that stuff, but mm-hmm. I got 600, I got 600 kids. Just kidding. I only got six, but six. Sorry. Yeah. But, but it feels like 600. That's a career. Yeah. So I'm in the top 1% almost of making babies, but that's about yep. it. That's right. Now, so somebody that came came out of the military, I got six. Well, I ended up with six altogether. Yeah, understood. Where? So where do you start, right? Thank you. You start where the income is. So in other words, you do what you need to do to get by at first, and then you you continually scan. You know, just kind of like scanning the horizon for, for threats or opportunities. What you're doing is scanning the world for interests that really draw you in. And whatever you're fascinated by, if you find it hard to disengage from that, that's probably one for you. Well, for me, that's music. I love to play guitar and sing. I don't like to do it. I love to do it. I never could play guitar very well when I was a kid because I never had lessons. But when I was in college, my roommate taught me a few chords. And so I'd play them awkwardly. And I got to where at parties, if there was a guitar and I didn't have one, uh, I would be able to play one or two of the popular songs of the day, you know, like Simon and Garfunkel or Elvis or something from back then. And uh, then I got better at it. I got a guitar and I got better at it. And when I got married, I was playing and singing in nightclubs and bars in Little Rock, Arkansas, and uh, looking for a day job that would be a good revenue opportunity. And that's how I ended up in life insurance and mutual funds and things like that at first. Uh, But I still wanted to keep on playing and singing, put it off for several years, and then finally came back to it in, of all times, 2006, I got married in 1970. I'm 76 years old. So I've been married 52 years to Paula and still love her dearly. But uh, in 2006, I took my guitar to a party and I was playing and a friend said, hey, come and play at our club. And I did. And they said, hey, here's a full-time 
gig, not full time, but here's a regular gig two or three times a month, uh, come and play in our nightclub. And I did that for four years and then they changed their music style and I moved to a different place, a wine bar and played for four more years. And, and we moved to Austin, Texas from California. And I still play occasionally in, uh, like saloons and bars and nightclubs and special events. And when I'm given a speech like last weekend in, in, uh, Portland, Oregon, during my speech at a community college up there, they brought a guitar and asked if I would play it. And so I got the guitar up on stage and did a few numbers and got the people involved and just had a blast with it. Now I've got my own music website, guitarmusiclive.com. Look it up. I've got an album on there. I've got videos of me performing all over the world, China and Europe and South America and all, all that. Um, so it's been a heck of a ride. It's it definitely sounds like it's been one heck of a ride. It seems like, yeah, you really smashed the one percent of the one percent. <laughs> out of all the out of all the moments uh, that you've done, and I'm sure there's probably a million. Um, which one is probably that you can remember? Cause it's probably kind of hard with uh, how many. But which moment is probably your favorite? Like, what can you look back on and be like, either that was like life changing or it was, oh my God, I, I want to do this for the rest. Yeah. Oh my God, I want to just, you know, yeah. I want to forget this one moment. Well, mind. let me give you one moment at the beginning of it all. I was a $525 a month clerk at the Little Rock Housing Authority, assistant to a man who didn't need help. And so I was bored to tears because I had nothing to do all day and I was sitting there. I'd read the Bible cover to cover at work in three months. That's how much extra time I had. And so I'm sitting there reading books on urban renewal and hadn't found anything I was interested in. And in the next room, I heard a radio program, which would be the equivalent of what we're doing right now. And uh, But it was a little five-minute show called Our Changing World. And it was Earl Nightingale, the dean of personal motivation. He was on 900 radio stations at that time. And here I am in Little Rock and I hear him. And he says, if you'll spend one hour extra every day studying your chosen field, five years from now, you'll be a national expert in that field. And I thought, huh, hour a day, five days a week, 50 weeks a year, five years, that's 1,250 hours. Yeah, that'd make you an expert on anything if it was a narrow enough thing you were studying, like studying studio microphones. You would become one of the world's leading authorities on studio microphones if you were 1,250 hours into it, right? Mm -hmm. Well, if it was a broad study like leadership, you would just be a knowledgeable person. But if it was military leadership in combat situations, now, all of a sudden, you could be one of the world's leading experts. Or if it was military leadership in, in logistics and supply, you could be one of the world's leading experts. So the narrower the field, the faster your advancement. And I said, I want to do what the guy on the radio is doing. But I had no idea what that meant. So I became a fanatical student of personal development, applied psychology. 
and I read all the classic books, Think and Grow Rich, How Power of Positive Thinking, How to Win Friends and Influence People, um, you know, things like that. I've still got them here. <laughs> I mean, old school originals. This is the first edition of Think and Grow Rich. That thing's probably worth $2,500. How to Win Friends and Influence People, first edition. Norman Vincent Peale, The Power of Positive Thinking, How to Be a Genius and Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Waddles. By the way, Norman Vincent Peale, I got to know him. I, I shared the stage with him, and he was in my audience on more than one occasion. Earl Nightingale was in my audience. Zig Ziglar became a friend of mine and was in my audience. I, I did the firewalk with Tony Robbins when he was still new. Um, gosh, I mean, all of my heroes that were still alive, I got to know them. I mean, we got we got serious time together. And I became president of the National Speakers Association. And so that sort of cemented our relationship even more. And so I've been, you know, I've been on stage with all the big names. And I mean, when you look at my next book, which is coming out June 1st, what to do when you're the speaker, it's, it's been endorsed by Les Brown, Brian Tracy, Dennis Waitley, uh, Tom Ziegler, Zig's son, Mike Reagan, the son of Ronald Reagan, um, on and on, you know, big, big names in the, in the world that I operate in. And my last book before it just came out in March, Mentor Minutes, How to Reach the Top 1% of Any Field. I need that book right there. Like there you I go. Need, I need that like today. So, Amazon. You're only four hours away. There you go. Four hours away from me. I'll come down and get it. <laughs> Good. Yeah. If you come down, I'll give you a copy. All right. I'll, I'll be there tonight. No. Man, so you really have like lived. I mean, you met all the people that you know. All of my heroes. All, yeah, all your heroes. That's very, that's almost never heard of unless you're like up there. You know? And it's and I I started out when I went to the first speakers meeting, National Speakers Association, 1978. I didn't. First off, I had no credentials at all. I was just a trainer. I didn't know anybody, but I knew who the big big kids were. So I went to the convention. It was in Louisville, Kentucky. And I was scraping by just to afford to register. And registration was probably 150 bucks, you know. But anyway, there I am. And all my heroes are there. And I, I stand at the edge of the room and watch them. And I found that they were easy to approach. That when I walked over, if I didn't say, hey, let me tell you about me. If I didn't do that, then they would open the circle up and say, hey, welcome. Who are you? Tell us about yourself. And I'd say, I'm Jim Cathcart. At the time, I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Now it's Austin, Texas. But I said, I'm Jim Cathcart from Tulsa, and uh, I'm a trainer, and I've been selling Earl Nightingale's motivational materials door-to-door to businesses. And I'd say, well, good. tell us some more. And No, you tell me about you. I knew better than to talk about me. I wanted to learn from the masters. And then I volunteered. You know, can I help move chairs, set up a room, put up posters? 
take registrations, scratch somebody's back, you know, whatever, just let me know. And so everybody came to like me because I was so willing to work, modest, and eager to learn. That'll endear you in any group. Yeah, and it's crazy being in this world now. The people that are just so humble and want to, instead of just keeping all the secrets to themselves, they will they want to lift other people up that, I mean, you show what you want to do, you show that you can, you have to drive. Right. I mean, they're willing to give you a shot. And, but, I mean, they still leave a lot of it up to you, but they're willing to lead you in the right path. And I'm finding that right. a lot with these people thinking, these are unapproachable people. Somebody at my level down here, middle class, has no chance. And but yeah, here I am starting to get in these awesome groups. I mean, I'm talking. You know who's unapproachable? A holes. Jerks. That's who's unapproachable. The people that I know at the top of the the field I'm in, which would be success motivation. Mm -hmm. Almost every one of them is so approachable that their staff has to say, "Come on, Stephen, we got to leave now." No, really, you got to disengage. Stop helping everybody. Come on, there's work to do. There are obligations to fulfill, right? Yeah, it's not. Oh, yeah. They, I'm really finding that more and more, and I love it. Um, and I really think that, you know, I have a lot to learn from people like you that have been doing this for, what did you say, 40? 46 years full-time. 46 years full-time. So I still got a lot to learn today. And Me too. Are you sure? Different right. things, but a lot to learn. Yep. So uh, how can people get a, get a hold of you or find you? I'm the easiest person to find you ever saw, if you can spell my name. Cathcart, C-A-T-H-C-A-R-T, Jim Cathcart. Do a search on Jim Cathcart or go to jimcathcart.com, mm-hmm. and it'll give you my digital business card with all my social media because I'm all over YouTube, I'm all over LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Instagram. I've even got a TikTok account, although I don't use it. Um, gosh, what else? Uh, Cathcart.com is my website. You know, go to Speakers Bureau, look me up. Go to Amazon, look me up. I'm, I'm there. I, well, trust me, somebody did the proper SEO on you. You know, search search engine optimization on yeah. you. Because as soon as you, as soon as I type in your name anywhere, you do pop right up. So, so somebody did their job very well for you, or you Good. did it, whoever did. Um, but yeah, you're you're ranking very high on everything, and it looks good. But yep, and Wikipedia, I've got you know got a page in there. You got your knowledge panel yet? Got what? A knowledge panel? Nope. Oh, that's one I need to learn about, evidently. So, but I do appreciate you coming on, and, and I know you're always busy, and I, and I appreciate the people like you coming on and giving us some lessons, especially with the veteran community. because You bet. Well, let me let me recommend that the people listening to this go to YouTube. And there's a lot of videos I've done that are right there for free. Mm-hmm. And if, if you decide after you've seen a few of those you want to retain me as your mentor, then, you know, give me a, a call. Just, just go to jimcathcart.com. And that'll give you the links to send me a direct message. And that, that's what I do today more than even my speaking. I'm still speaking. I just got back from a talk in Oregon. But um, my primary job today is mentor 
to experts and entrepreneurs, people that want to grow a career and they're looking for an expert guide. Yeah, well, there's going to be a lot, I'm sure, because uh, this is a fun world to be in, and it's pretty, I mean, it's a fast, I don't know, it's fast paced, but you get to do some traveling in it, which a lot of people, being in the military, always traveling anyways. Yep. It just kind of keeps that, you know, moving, moving right along. So well, I want to say to everybody listening, thank you for serving. Thanks for stepping up. Thanks for being being there and taking the heat when the rest of us couldn't in the same capacity. And um, you matter. Well, on behalf of all of them, we do appreciate it. We always like to love. And, you know, it took years to achieve the love that we get today. But we are definitely, you know, we, we do thank the older generation, too, at the same time for raising awareness of how bad things used to be back in the day with the military and civilian well, population. Yeah, I was part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, I, when I was in, it, sometimes I didn't mention it, you know, because it was so unpopular at the time. Uh, but, wow. Well, I mean, there's a lot of times I don't mention that I was in, but it's just because it's like I'm very humble. It's like I don't want special treatment from anybody because right. I feel like what I did, even though I was combat arms, I feel like what I did was just doing my job. Yep. So even though, yeah, got That's shot up, blown up, stuff like that. But, you know, I don't want people to say, thank you for your service, and they don't even know me. They don't know what I've done the whole time, you know, the good and the bad. But it's just, like, either just be, like, keep quiet sometimes and just go about your day and be a normal human. Understood. Go about your day in raising six kids. Good for you. Thank you for your service. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're, I got the best kids in the world. I swear to God. They got to be the Good best. So, uh, but this is all we got time for today on the Swan Dingo Files with a Dango H.O. Baby. My special guest, Jim Cathcart, the top 1% of the 1%. And I'm sure one day he's going to be another 1% somehow. I don't know. He's going cru- to continue to crush it. Even in his grave, I promise you. Watch. Here you go. Well, folks, that's all we have for today's episode of the Swandingo Files. I hope you've enjoyed this journey with your host, Stephen Swanson, as much as he enjoys recording it. Remember, transitioning from military life to civilian life is tough. But with a little bit of grit, a dash of humor, and a lot of determination, you can overcome any obstacle. So until next time, keep on trucking and keep Swandingoing.